obviously, before we start, uh, I do want to apologize for something that ended up on live TV this morning. Uh, we were joking, quite frankly, about uh, my first experience uh, riding into the Cotton Bowl on the bus uh, and the warm welcome uh, you receive in the Red River game, my very first experience. I think I told you guys that story um, as well. And uh, when it occurred, honestly, I, I had no idea. I uh, wasn't aware that the camera in the room was on live TV. Uh, certainly had nothing to do with LHN, signing day, anything like that. Uh, but it, uh, again, it was, uh, regardless, it was uh, poor judgment on my part. Uh, and I do apologize for that. Um, on to why we're here, uh, our 2020 uh, signing class. Really excited uh, about another great class. Uh, some, some highlights. Uh, you know, I think I, I saw this is accurate. 15 of the 16 are from the state of Texas, uh, which is exciting for us. Uh, we will probably sign four-ish uh, more in, in February. Uh, we knew though that it, this was going to be a small class, only 10 scholarship seniors. Uh, so we knew that this was going to be a small class when we started uh, and that it would be about quality, uh, not quantity. Uh, the exciting part, eight of the 16 early enrollees, or eight of the 16 are early enrollees. Uh, so we'll get to start working with those guys in January. Um, moving on, just a couple bullet points on these guys. It's only 16. Xavion uh, Alford, uh, and I'll update you on, on who's coming in early in January. Xavion uh, is an early enrollee, uh, physical, athletic, uh, was hurt most of his senior year, but uh, his rehab has gone well. We expect him uh, to be cleared when he gets here. Vernon Broughton, another early enrollee, really athletic, uh, basketball background. The kid keeps getting bigger and bigger every time I see him, uh, and he's got a great motor. Uh, Hudson Card is uh, an early enrollee as well. Uh, he is definitely the face of the class. Uh, he was the first to commit, and um, we've had our sights set on, on Hudson uh, for multiple years now and are, are really excited uh, to get to start working with him in January. A really competitive, competitive young man that, uh, as most of you know, uh, was out with a toe injury for a good six weeks, I believe, seven weeks, and still came back and, and led his team to the, to the state semifinals. Keaton Crawford, uh, probably the, the best uh, adjective I can use for him is versatile, uh, a tremendous three-way player in offense, defense, and in the return game. Uh, Prince Dorba, two-time state champ, uh, 5A state defensive player of the year uh, as a junior. Uh, really, again, athletic, a tremendous pass rusher. Jalen Garth, again, due to injury, uh, did not play his senior year, missed some time his junior year, in fact, but uh, great length, uh, comes from a great program at PNG. Sawyer Gorham Welch, uh, to me, is a guy that um, is a testament to, to making sure you don't fill up your class too early uh, because this is a guy that had a tremendous senior year uh, helped uh, Longview to, to win a state championship last year and uh, continued to get better uh, as a senior. Dejon Harrison again another versatile guy that can 
play anywhere on offense, can play in the defensive backfield, return guy, uh, very explosive athlete. Jaden Hullaby, uh, another athlete, uh, uh, much bigger stature, uh, but kind of a, a do-everything guy. And um, we're excited to see uh, where, where he fits in the, in the puzzle there in terms of uh, position uh, that he'll play. My guess is he'll, he'll probably play um, a few of them uh, you know, before his time is up here. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson, uh, obviously our, our thoughts go out uh, to him and, and the knee injury uh, that, that he sustained and uh, will, will be unable to participate in the state championship game. Uh, but again, phenomenal quarterback. Uh, very athletic and uh, extremely competitive. He's a, a leader amongst leaders. Andre Carrick, uh, the one thing that stands out is, is length and athleticism. Uh, this guy, you know, I, I hear it all the time, the comparisons to Sam Cosme, and they're, they're pretty, pretty spot on. Uh, Andre's actually uh, bigger now than, than Sam was at, at this time in, in his career. Uh, Jake Majors, another early enrollee, tough, very well coached, uh, extremely smart. Uh, we're going to start him playing at center uh, and hope that he can develop uh, into a multi-year starter at that position. Troy O'Meary, another early signee or early enrollee, great ball skills, great toughness. Uh, you know, was the the district MVP this year as as a senior. Logan Parr. Another early enrollee, a tough, nasty, uh, very well coached, great program. Uh, we're excited to get our hands on him in January. Uh, Bijan Robinson, uh, there's not enough adjectives in the book, uh, but a dynamic playmaker. And I, I know that this phrase or whatever gets used quite a bit that he's an even better person and young man than he is a player, uh, but that is 100% accurate with Bijan. He is as good a human being, comes from as good a family as we've ever recruited, and uh, really excited about his future here at Texas. And then Jaron Thompson, uh, our last early enrollee, uh, comes from a great program in Lufkin, and uh, physical, physical player. I think he was the, the district MVP overall this season as a junior was also uh, the defensive MVP. So again, uh, 16 quality, quality young men, great athletes, great players, uh, 15 of them from the state of Texas. And uh, obviously with the eight guys getting ready to enroll early, uh, we'll be able to start working with them here uh, very quickly. Questions? Um, along the lines of you guys signing 15 in-state prospects, how important is the DFW area going to be to your guys' plans going forward? Uh, it, it will always be important, but no, no more or less important than um, anywhere in the state. Uh, but uh, we, we did do a good job there this year. Um, I, I think, you know, a, a lot of... Um, these guys see the, the progress uh, that we're making. And, um, uh, you know, DFW, you know, since we, we got here has, has been a, a, a very much a priority. Um, but to say that it's any bigger than Houston or uh, Central Texas or East Texas, uh, that, that 
wouldn't be exactly fair, but it's a, it's an extreme priority, and I'm I'm glad we had some success up there. On your right, Bob. What is it about Hudson that would that gives you the, the to say he's the face of this class? And and on top of that, how difficult is it for a freshman to come in and compete for a you know a backup job with Casey? And and is he along those lines? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, coming in early helps certainly when when you're a freshman quarterback, and um, so we feel like he can he can do that. Um, but what was it about him? Uh, you know, the intangibles first. Is competitor, great teammate, great leader. You know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, played exclusively wide receiver uh, as a, a sophomore and, um, you know, had to be thrust in the state championship game at quarterback and did really well, led his team in that game. And so um, just a guy that gets better every time we see him throw, every time we see him play. Um, and the, the one, again, operative or two operative words to describe him is just competitor and, and leader. And just a, just a quick follow-up. How important is it when you've got a guy in your backyard to, uh, that is the, a talent like Hudson at court, at that, especially at that position, how important is it to lock somebody like that down? Yeah, at that position that fits um, you know, what you're looking for um, and, and checks all the boxes. Uh, to, to make sure that, that um, you know, he doesn't leave uh, the backyard, so to speak. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen the success that Sam has had uh, here. And, um, you know, to know that uh, Hudson is, is a guy that, that um, you know, has a ceiling that, that is extremely high and that he was in our backyard, it, it was really important to, to keep him around here. Stan, you're right, Jeff. Tom, this was the first kind of full recruiting cycle Coach Hand had to, to evaluate offensive linemen. I saw he tweeted out something that he, he's got his kind of guys. When, when you and him sit down and there's an offensive lineman you know, on the board, what is he looking for that, that he feels like this is a guy that can play for him and, and succeed? Well, toughness, certainly. Uh, a guy with a motor, a guy that likes to finish plays, finish blocks. Um, you know, we do recruit the positions a, a little bit differently along the offensive line. You, you know, uh, the tackles, you want to be a little bit longer. So you'll sacrifice a, a little bit of girth, if you will, at, at that stage as a high schooler, um, as long as they have length and athleticism and, and toughness. And then the inside guys, uh, you're going to want already to have some, some girth on them and some strength, but still be able to, to move and bend and, and explode their hips and, um, you know, we, we got exactly what we wanted in, in those four guys. We got two really solid inside guys in Logan and Jake and uh, two uh, really promising tackles in, in Jalen and, and Andre. On your left, Kalen. Tom, obviously, you know, this past year you guys had so many young players contribute. Um, do you envision, like, anyone from this class being an immediate contributor? Uh, it's too hard to say. Um, you know, that's predicting the future, I think. Um, like I've told you guys before, you know, we recruit the, the skill and combo guys. So we're talking about non-linemen, non-quarterbacks. Um, if we're doing a, a good job, we expect them uh, to come in and play and contribute, um, certainly on special teams at the very least. So, um you know, they're, they're depending on, you know, uh, 
what we do with, with Roshan and, and Jay Witt, I, I think, you know, from a position standpoint, uh, obviously you'd like to see Bajan uh, be able to come in and, and contribute, but um, that, that's the case with all those young guys, you know, uh, that uh, we want them to come in, especially those early guys that, that have had a, an offseason under their belt and, you know, six more months uh, with Coach McKnight. Uh, you know, we expect those guys to be ready to contribute in the fall. Right, Joe. About about the O line and individually, all those guys committed pretty early, except for Andre, who kind of waited till the summer. But they were all no nonsense. That really helped. That y'all got y'all's four guys pretty quickly, and you didn't really have to worry about this class anymore with <laughs> offensive linemen. Yeah, as Coach Han said, the best offensive linemen are high production, low maintenance, and uh, that describes all four of these guys to a T. Um, they love the University of Texas. They love Coach Hand. Uh, they love our program and what we're building here. Uh, and again, like you said, when they committed, it was we're shutting it down and we're getting ready to go play for Texas. Up front of you, Brian. Tom, two things. One thing, uh, Dukes. I assume this gives you nine slots for the for February if you choose to use them or no. Um, I haven't really gone through that. I think, um, you know, in talking to. Derek Chang, I think, you know, our plan is if, if we find the right four or five guys in February, uh, that we would be there. But we, we know we need some uh, immediate help at some positions, too. So the grad transfer market is something that would also take uh, some of those numbers up as well. So we, we won't fill up, per se, in February because we're going to wait and see on, on some of these grad transfers. And that's probably the area that I was going to ask you about, just – how do you feel about getting only two defensive linemen um, and numbers-wise on the entire roster? How do you feel about the depth at that group right now? Uh, actually, pretty good. Um, and we, we've got two defensive linemen uh, that we covet very, very highly that, that won't sign until February. So um, this, this will not be uh, the – they will not be the only two defensive linemen that we sign in this class. Back by the camera, Chris. Tom, uh, kind of two questions. One, the signing class looks so different from last year's in terms of it's nearly all in-state, which you've pointed out a few times already, and I noticed no JUCO guys on there. Why the market difference from last year to this year? And also, um, last year's recruiting class seemed like it was hurt a bunch by injuries, guys having to retire and uh, stuff like that. How did that affect the way you approached this year and needs maybe down the line that last year's class could have filled that now you had to try and fill Yeah, this we've, we've had, I don't know what it is, uh, three transfer from that class and, and three um, you know, with Peter Pudgy dealing with a, a heart issue. Um, you know, and Darian, obviously, with a stroke, and, and DeGabriel. So um, we felt like we needed to, you know, replenish some of the, the early losses uh, in that class. Uh, why, why does it look that way? I, I don't know. It's, it's, they're, they're never by design in terms of the way that they get shaped. They're by necessity. And, um, again, you know, we, we found – guys that, that we feel like we can compete with championships right here in our own backyard and um, that that wanted to come to Texas. So, um, you know, it, we were on a nationwide search for a tailback and, and found the perfect fit 
uh, for us uh, to go out of state to Tucson um, and not just fit athletically, but fit as a young man and a, a guy that, that we want to be a part of our program. So, uh, again, nothing's really by design, you know, because you start this process so early um, and you've got so many different guys that you're recruiting from all over the country and some junior college guys, and it just works out some ways where it shapes into what you, you see here. Some, some years it, it shapes into what we saw last year. The back right, Chip. Tom, um, can you talk about why Chris Ash is the right guy, and do you anticipate your offensive coordinator's search will take you to the NFL, possibly? Um, why is Chris the right guy? Uh, extremely detail-oriented. Uh, he has a proven track record at some elite college football jobs of, of coming in and turning things around very quickly. Um, he is a, a guy that believes what I believe in defense, which is to be very fundamentally sound, to keep it very simple, uh, go recruit elite athletes, develop the heck out of them, uh, and let them play fast on Saturdays. And um, we, we don't need magic schemes on defense. We've got really good players that we need to put in uh, really advantageous positions, teach them the game, and uh, develop them uh, as players and as far as the offensive coordinator search goes you know I, I'm ecstatic at, at, as far as kind of where this uh, coordinator search has gone I, I knew it was important you know Chris Ash had multiple power five offers that um, uh, I, I knew we had to move very swiftly uh, on that one I still wanted to do my due diligence uh, talk to four or five other guys um, and it just kept coming back to Chris and um, uh, his attention to detail, his um, teaching style um, and, you know, the toughness and, and tackling uh, part of all the defenses that, that he's been a part of. And so as far as the offensive uh, coordinator search goes, you know, uh, take a deep breath right now. I obviously talk to um, a few guys, but I promised – our players, I promised the recruits uh, that we would get the very best. And, uh, you know, most of those guys are, are still playing in bowl games and uh, are in the NFL. So, yeah, I, I have explored some NFL options as well. Um, so, you know, this is something that, that could take a while because of, uh, you know, the bowl games that, that these guys are playing in. On your right, I'm Mark. Um, Coach, you've kind of alluded a little bit about Bijan and, and what kind of person he is. Can you just kind of maybe take us behind the curtain into that recruiting process, you know, of him? And when you describe him as a man, can you give us like some examples of whether it's conversations, interactions that make you praise him so much? Yeah. Um, well, the the recruiting process was was long. Obviously, we we had him targeted uh, very early. Um, you know, I think we we only offered early four, maybe five tailbacks in the entire country. Um, and, and he was one of them. Uh, and then when, when his interest in us, you know, I, I thank his high school coach, Dennis Benet, and congratulate him on a great career there at South Point. Uh, phenomenal coach, phenomenal man. Um, you know, he, he got Bijan here on an unofficial visit. And uh, Bijan fell in love with Coach Drayton. Uh, he fell in love with 
uh, the University of Texas. Uh, and but he, he wanted to make sure that he kept his options open and you know it was nip and tuck there uh, to the very end when, when he made his decision and I think um, to give you an example of what kind of kid he is um, you know he's a, a very spiritual very godly person uh, from a, a very strong Christian family that um, you know he leaned on a lot of prayer uh, a lot of discussion very close with his family a lot of hard discussions um, uh, to make that decision. And um, he's never looked back and, and uh, has been as solid as a rock, uh, I think, because he made that decision with such conviction. Uh, and then the other one is just, I'm just telling you, when you walk through South Point High School, there isn't a person, you know, when you walk in with this, they, they know who you're there to see and, and all that stuff. Everybody has got a, hey, Coach, let me take two minutes of your time. I want to tell you about Bijan. He's the most humble, I mean, humble. The guy's a Gatorade Player of the Year, first player in Arizona high school football history to twice win State Player of the Year, Arizona's career all-time leading touchdown maker and leading rusher, uh, and first running back in Arizona history to top 2,000 yards in three consecutive seasons. And... This guy would drive the bus and take out the trash if you asked him to. Um, and, and that is coming from not coaches trying to sell him. I'm talking about um, assistant principals to security guards at the, at the front gate. To, I mean, everybody uh, wants to brag on not all of those accomplishments, but rather what kind of young man he is. On your left, Danny. I'm just, I was kind of wondering about your overall thoughts on how you guys fared with recruiting receivers. And also, was it tough, tough to keep Troy and Dijon kind of in the fold with you not having receiver coaches um, you know, these last couple of weeks? It was, certainly. Um, and, and that's a position that we'll, we'll probably go uh, in February looking for, for one more. Uh, we, we've got our sights set on a couple that, that did not sign today. Um, but these 16 guys... Literally all of them uh, made their decision, stayed with their decision um, without a, a, a coordinator on either side of the ball and then certainly at receiver without a, a position coach. And I think that speaks to the level of trust um, that they have in me uh, that, that we're going to get this uh, coaching search right. Uh, but in their, their level of commitment to not just uh, an individual you know we, we told them all the time you know position coaches want to be coordinators and coordinators want to be head coaches and if you're doing what you're supposed to do on the field people are going to come calling uh, for those guys and to expect that you're going to play for the same position coach and or coordinator for your three four five year career it's very rare uh, in, in college football uh, but the, the one constant or, or the, the few constants that we have are myself, uh, Coach McKnight, uh, and this great university in, in this great city. So uh, was it difficult? Certainly. Um, you know, uh, other schools have good recruiters, and, you know, when they smell blood in the water, they, they like to try to deviate focus um, from these young men on, on what's important, which is the power of your degree. Um, you know, competing for championships and being developed for the next level, and then where are you going to live? And uh, 
we checked all those boxes uh, ahead of most of these other schools. But, um, you know, these guys all made very logical decisions. Sometimes uh, young men make emotional decisions. And uh, when that plays a part, uh, it is a lot more difficult uh, when you tell them, hey, just, just trust me, we're going to get you the best. And they've got another guy from another school telling them, hey, man, I'm here, uh, you know, or, or whatever it is. So uh, it is difficult, but um, I, I was proud of our staff. I was proud of our commits um, for, for sticking together and, um, you know, believing in, you know, where we're headed. On your right, Jeff. Two questions. Um, if a player is transferring but is not a junior college transfer or a grad transfer, is he someone that your program will recruit? I think it would depend on how many years he's got left. Um, what are the odds of immediate eligibility in terms of uh, a waiver? And, you know, uh, the need on the roster. And then... You know, how good is the guy? And does he fit us? And then the other question is, Troy's recruitment is unique, and that was a, a straight flip from Texas A&M. Did that mean any significance for you, or are you just trying to get the best receiver for this class? No, there, there was no... None of that. I mean, we're just... We're worried about Texas. And um, he was, uh, you know, the one of, if not the top outside receivers on our board for a long, long time. And um, we were obviously disappointed when he made that decision at first. And um, uh, when it didn't feel right to him and he decided to uh, commit to Texas and come to Texas, I remember talking to his mom, Adobe, and she said, um, you know, shortly thereafter, she said, uh, coach, my son is smiling again. And uh, that that made me proud that, that her mom, his mom, you know, uh, it felt like a, a weight had been lifted, you know, off of his shoulders and he could relax uh, with his decision. And um, uh, we're, we're happy that this was, you know, the place that, that he felt was home. On your left, Brian. Uh, going, going back to Ash for a second, what, what do you envision his role being leading up to the Alamo Bowl? Not much. Uh, he will be here tomorrow evening through Saturday morning. Uh, he'll spend time uh, meeting with the current players on defense most of the day tomorrow. Um, and then he's got family plans for Christmas. So um, he will not be a, a accountable coach. Uh, so he'll be able to, we've got an NCAA waiver to where uh, he can still call recruits, but he cannot he cannot he can well it's a dead period so um, nobody can go on the road but um, he can't coach on the field or in a meeting room but he can sit down and have one-on-one -on -one meetings with with these guys and you know for for the, me the, the general public whatever how would you describe what the texas defense will look like under chris ash in 2020 well i think we've got to i think we've got to decide who our best players are um, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that, um, you know, we want to be in some more four-man front. If we are um, in a three-man front, I think our guys need to be in position uh, to rush the passer, uh, being, you know, playing more five technique than, than four-eye. 
Um, but if that gets the 11 best on, on the field, uh, that's what we'll do. But I think simple, fast. Um, I think, you know, in our talks, he said you want to be simple but not predictable, you know, and, and you've got to have um, adjustments to their adjustments to your adjustments kind of thing. But um, it's not going to be a whole lot of defense. It's going to be teaching them the fundamentals, developing them, making sure that every run and every pass scheme, they know exactly where to be based on, uh, excuse me, the, the front and blitz called or front and coverage called uh, and, and that we fit everything really, really properly. And then, like all great defenses, we got to fly to the football. On your right, Jeff. Tom, you got a couple. Um, you mentioned Daring and Brown again and, and Peter Pudgy. What's the long-term or maybe even the short-term prognosis for both those guys, and then any update on Joshua Moore's status with the team? Uh, no update on, on Joshua Moore. Uh, still waiting for the, the legal process to to play out. Um, yeah, I think uh, Darian's getting better. He got cleared for physical activity, so he's actually doing some modified workouts right now. Still going uh, to speech th- therapy a couple times a week, but uh, he's doing really well in all of his classes. And, um, you know, we're just kind of playing that one, I don't know, day by day is probably a little maybe month by month, you know, seeing his progress. Uh, Peter uh, was released from the hospital, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, he's going to go back to, to Houston and uh, recover. He's on some, some different medications than, than the first time he was hospitalized. Uh, and, you know, long term, I, I mean, that's so far uh, removed from our thoughts right now um, being the severity of, of his, his heart issue and um, you know we'll see he, the plan is for him to be back at least in classes uh, in the, the spring semester and then uh, linebacker I know you know you didn't I don't know does Jalen Hullaby maybe factor into to that mix at some point and then just what are the challenges now of of recruiting that position and making sure that you're getting the right guys, but you're getting guys that also you know can play in this league and that they can be three down guys in this league. Yeah, well, there's a couple we have our, our eye on right now that uh, are are did not sign uh, that that we're excited to continue to recruit into January and February. Uh, we do know that that is a, a big time position of need for us. And, and like you said, you're, you're not going to take a guy just to fill a spot if you if you don't think he can play, but. Uh, there is enough talent out there that that will not have signed today that I think will um, will find one if not two that we feel like can be developed into a, a championship linebacker. Time for two last ones on the far left, Westcott, and then Caden. Can you describe uh, the work that the guys you put out onto the road, Andre Coleman, uh, BC, and Jeremiah George, did in terms of keeping this class together? Uh, yeoman's work, as they say. Um, you know, for, for Andre, you know, all three kind of in different different phases. Andre is a pro's pro. He's been doing this a long time. Uh, the road is certainly not foreign to him. Uh, Brian Carrington's got great relationships uh, with all of these kids and has been on the road before uh, when we hired Herb Hand. Um, so that part of it's not new to him as well. Uh, and then Jeremiah to be able to kind of learn as you go. You know, I, I don't know that there were many places where Jeremiah went by himself. Uh, but I think the, the cool part about Jeremiah is 
Um, you know, he he was trained by Yancey McKnight for four years at Iowa State and um, was developed from a whatever he was, two or three star linebacker into a multi-year NFL player. And um, he can give firsthand testimony uh, to, to that kind of development as well as uh, his relationship with me. So um, a lot of that, I'll, I'll be honest with you, was pretty foreign to him. But um, we were in full-on scramble mode for two weeks, and it was a, it was a long two weeks. But uh, we, we made it through pretty, pretty swimmingly. Uh, Tom, I was told that you had or you knew Cam Rising's mom. I guess like how long did you know her? And then I guess like how weird would it be, you know, to face him in the upcoming bowl game potentially? No, it was actually uh, his dad. Oh. Uh, we went to Cal Lutheran at different times, but but had, <laughs> had met each other through some some different circles. Plus, uh, when we were at Houston, we recruited his older brother as well, so we knew the family. Uh, but the, the dad was the one uh, that I, I had a, a little bit longer uh, relationship with. But, uh, no, it won't be weird at all. I, 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 uh, uh, we want nothing but the best for Cameron. He's got a great family. They love him to death. And um, we, we, we really do hope. I mean, I'm, when I see him, I'm going to give him a big, big hug and uh, ask him how he's doing. And, and the same with his mom and his dad.